Hello, and welcome to the State of Talk podcast, brought to you by the International Society for Conversation Analysis. I'm one of your hosts, Elliot Hoy, an assistant professor at the Free University of Amsterdam. In this episode, you'll hear an interview with Leilo Kevalik, professor of language, culture, and interaction at Linköping University, and also associate editor for the journal Research on Language and Social Interaction. Leila works in the field of interactional linguistics and has published on the interactional use of particles in different languages, as well as core features of grammar for interaction, such as projection and clause combining. In more current work, she investigates with a team of researchers at Linköping non-lexical vocalizations. In this interview, we asked Leila to talk to us about her path into CA, about some of her current research, and what has inspired her over the years. In the course of editing this interview, I was tickled to learn that she had won a national prize in Estonia for work on the poetry of a band poet. And so I'm immensely pleased to bring you this interview, which was conducted asynchronously, uh, meaning that we sent Leila the questions and she recorded her questions um, for us. So now I'll introduce each question, after which we will hear from Professor Kevalik herself about her life and career in CA in her own words. So we know that there are many different paths that people take that eventually lead them to ethnomethodology and conversation analysis. So we first asked Leila about her journey into this discipline. How did I get into EMCA? Well, I'm not sure I have really arrived in EMCA all the way, um, as I do different kinds of research. But there is, of course, a history how I got into it. I started out as a very traditional linguist in the Estonian university system that was kept behind the Iron Curtain. Getting a hunch about what was going on in the rest of the world, I gradually became very interested in social linguistics. I became enthralled by how vowel quality, for example, or a morphological uh, suffix is tied to um, social structure and to relationships. I've always been interested in relationships between uh, language and society, what happens between people, what happens in relationships. And this interest has pertained, even though it has taken very different forms uh, throughout uh, the years I've been in the academic world. And through this combination of linguistics and interest in what happens when people meet, I gradually got into interactional linguistics. I was always working with spoken language data and looking at it, um, I realized that there were some very, very frequent words, particles, that had not been described at all for Estonian or had been described from a purely formal uh, point of view. And that was so much less uh, than what I, uh, what I saw in my data. And I started to work frantically because I somehow thought that uh, the actual functions of those uh, small words were so obvious and exciting that someone else would write up those very things before me. And I'm still occasionally working on those kinds of topics uh, as an interactional linguist. As an interactional linguist, you of course need to dive into sequences. In order to properly understand what a grammatical format does, you cannot just gloss over something as an answer to a question. You need to know what kind of a question it is. Is it a polar question or a question word question? Where does it come from? What are the participants trying to do with it? Uh, and so on. What if there was a different item uh, or a different particle 
in the answer? What if the word order was different? What, what if the tense was different? It all needs to be worked out uh, with um, respect to what people are trying to do um, in sequences of actions. And especially during my visit to UCLA, I polished my knowledge of sequence analysis with Manny Shegloff, and that provided me with the foundations of seeing those patterns in interaction. I still see this as um, a very solid empirically based toolkit I have uh, when I need to make sense of what people do. In my own research, uh, However, I made a move from grammar uh, and spoken interaction to the body. Just working closely with um, videos of dance classes and trying to understand of what was happening uh, led me to ask questions about all kinds of things that I uh, didn't even think of uh, when I was just working as a as a linguist, uh, so to say. I started to see, for example, how uh, the teachers used embodied metaphors, uh, how those were brought about collaboratively, for example. I started looking into the social organization of touch, uh, the legitimacy of touch uh, when you are touching a stranger to lead or to be uh, led in a dance couple, uh, and so on. And um, most significantly, immediately after having defended my thesis uh, that was on phone conversations, I started to explore the relationship between grammatical structure and embodied behavior. And this is what I'm still uh, working on. So that's kind of my history in a nutshell <laughs> of interactional linguistics and conversation analysis. However, when it comes to this uh, ethnomethodological uh, stream of research, I'm still learning and discovering uh, all the intricacies uh, for, from uh, collaborations with uh, people who have, so to say, grown up in that uh, method. I recently did a textbook with Matthias Brut in Linköping, my colleague in Linköping, uh, and uh, we edited a textbook uh, on multimodal interaction analysis. And working on uh, the introduction, for example, I still had uh, several aha moments regarding the ethnomethodological uh, mindset. I myself still find it natural to begin from a resource, such as a particle, a sound, a syntactic structure, a pitch pattern, I noticed that in all kinds of collaborations with uh, ethnomethodologists, uh, with discursive psychologists, and so on. So I'm st I still have this uh, somehow a linguistic approach uh, to asking questions. I'm inclined to always consider grammatical details, also phonetic details, as this is something that I was uh, trained for. But I also end up working on more macro level issues such as, uh, for example, language use at blue-collar workplaces and how people who do not share a common language can still make sense to each other uh, through various kinds of embodied means. So methodologically, I find myself uh, in a constant flow of learning. We then asked Lelo to say a bit about what she's been working on recently. My current research 
focuses on all kinds of sounding practices, uh, sounding that is on the verges of language, not always language, but uh, certainly making sense and being communicative, and also uh, what we call sounding for others. Uh, when one participant uh, sounds for somebody else's experience, such as moms doing mmm when their babies are uh, trying foods uh, for the first time. It is certainly a step away from the functions of clauses and phrases and uh, grammaticalization paths, the kinds of things I have uh, worked on earlier. But I've always been fascinated by sound play. I actually did my very first research paper in high school on sound poetry. It targeted uh, onomatopoeia, but also other kinds of rhythmic sounding effects um, in, um, uh, in the production of an Estonian poet called Handorunnel. He was partly forbidden during Soviet times, and we, uh, the young people, we regarded him as the voice of freedom. We copied his poems on typewriters in order to, uh, to spread them among classmates and so on. And my paper on his poetry won a prize at a national level and it seems that I never let go of this fascination with people just sounding to create uh, meaning. Perhaps a more serious answer would be that uh, while doing my academic work uh, behind the walls of different universities, I also had another life in dance and I became very inspired by my dance teachers. I had um, always been intuitively able to interpret the vocalizations they used in order to demonstrate how uh, the students uh, were supposed to perform a certain move. Uh, and then bringing this together with uh, the analytic tools of analyzing multimodal interaction, uh, it became quite natural to, to bring these two sides of my life together and uh, start analyzing it. And this is also the fascination of the kind of work we are doing, that we are not actually abstracting away um, our analysis, we're not abstracting away too far from the lived realities, but uh, rather getting closer to what people actually do when they are accomplishing um, actions and um, displaying their ex expertise in different kinds of human activities and we are trying to do uh, justice to those members' perspectives. So I see it as coming closer to, to understanding um, what dance teachers do. When moving to a postdoc phase, at some universities at least, or at some, in some university systems, you are asked to do something radically different from what you did before in order to get funding for your postdoc projects. And at that moment, I gave it a chance. I wrote up this research proposal on the vocal behavior of dance teachers. Studying them analytically has been quite an adventure where I have shown how articulation belongs together with what the rest of the body is doing. So if a dance teacher says, you are not supposed to do sharp moves, but when they say, you're probably 
you, you probably need to do uh, sharp step, steps or kicks um, at those uh, syllables. In uh, this ongoing project, we are looking at how parents, uh, for example, do lip smacks when uh, they want their uh, babies to eat. They would do things like mm -hmm. Uh, we also look um, at uh, how, for example, uh, Pilates teachers uh, do strain uh, together with uh, their students to, to indicate where the effort has to happen, for example. And in my newest project, together with Emily Hofstetter, we are trying to understand what that means for agency. If you express the taste experience of someone else, such as with a mmm or someone else's strain. So we are getting uh, into this uh, true, <laughs> truly joint accomplishment of sociality uh, between participants. And one could only imagine what else there is to be done uh, in not analytically separating the body and the vocal tract. We could even ask questions about syntax, because producing syntax uh, presumes a capable body and um, articulate, articulators that um, functions impeccably. So even uh, syntax is produced in an embodied manner in uh, spoken interaction. However, when you need to lift something heavy, for example, at the same time when you are trying to speak, there may be implications and opportunities for all kinds of displays of you being busy or you being tired uh, and so on. So these are the kinds of theoretical questions we are asking. Where does uh, the language end and the body begin? We then wanted to ask her about whether there was any particular moment, like a meeting with someone, a particular paper she had read, or maybe a conference she attended, some significant event that changed the course of her thinking or her research. In some sense, I'm changing with each and every collaboration I have. Doctoral students bringing new kind of data and different background expertise. It's, it's always an adventure and uh, always plowing some new ground. But when I look back uh, into history, I would like to point out uh, a meeting that I'm sure that this person doesn't even remember herself. It was um, uh, actually a supervision meeting with my supervisor, but he uh, thought that it would be good if Anna Lindström was present uh, at that meeting. It was at Uppsala University where she is still working. And we talked about what kind of data I should collect for my uh, PhD. I somehow thought that it would be more straightforward to just record some telemarketers and then I could be done with my data collection here within a few days and I would have a lot of um, uh, speakers who would come from different parts of Estonia because I, had, I still had this kind of social linguistic, uh, social linguistic mindset where uh, you would like to cover <laughs> the population and all kinds of variations and so on. But Anna was very determined in telling me that I needed um, everyday conversation. I needed conversations between 
family members, uh, between friends, and, and so on. And I'm very grateful to her. Uh, until this day, I'm still using the corpus uh, I built uh, in uh, the late 1990s, uh, based on those um, conversations that I did uh, manage to uh, record in uh, people's homes. It was indeed more cumbersome, but I, that's what I really needed to do. Um, another person that has really affected me is uh, uh, Chuck Goodwin. I first met him at a summer school in Odense in Denmark. And it was just so exciting to hang around a piece of data with him, to watch a phasic chill communicate with uh, his family members, or to look closely at children playing hopscotch. And those exciting kind of explorations together with Chuck always left you with the sense that you had something to contribute uh, and there was always something new to uh, discover. So it was the true magic of data sessions uh, with uh, Chuck, even though it was meant to be, you know, a former class, but those of you who knew Chuck, he could never kind of keep to um, some kind of organized lecture plans. He just opened uh, a piece of data and then he would take it from there. And it was so exciting. Also, maybe a third person who has been my role model throughout the years, it's um, Sandy Thompson. Sandy has expertise that is beyond imaginable, but she combines it with, with such a warm personality and hospitability uh, that um, you, it, it's not difficult to learn from her. <laughs> um, I was very, very grateful uh, to her when she also took her time to read my manuscripts while I was uh, just a visiting scholar. Uh, so she's um, someone I very much look up to as a researcher and as a human being. Next, we asked Lelo to maybe share a piece of advice for new PhD students or someone looking for guidance on how to get along in this discipline. I'm telling them to enjoy the ride. It's, well, often when uh, you are a PhD student, you feel like you need to get to the goal. You need to really get this publication uh, accepted to get this uh, publication uh, out uh, and published and so on. But that will not happen if you don't enjoy uh, the parts that um, lead up uh, there. And if you don't take your time really really treasuring the moments that you spend with the data, uh, treasuring the moments you spend um, at data sessions, uh, really enjoying the kind of the collective mind, uh, the uh, intellectual explorations that happen at our data sessions. And also when you don't really um, um, enjoy the the process of actually formulating uh, the things that you want to say uh, in the best uh, possible uh, way. The achievements will come. 
We also took the opportunity to ask what's maybe a delicate question, but one that I think researchers do think about. Um, So after a researcher crafts their paper, sends it out into the world, um, it's then up to others to read it and maybe appreciate it. But to adapt Bonnie Rayet, I can't make you cite me. And so we asked Lalo to talk about a particular paper she's fond of, she's proud of, or otherwise has some affection for, but which didn't quite have the success or notoriety that she thought it deserved. Deciding to work on a tiny language uh, that is less researched uh, and uh, spoken by just one million people, I have selected a path where I will always be uh, less cited. But... um, yeah, so that's my cho- but that's my choice. I have one paper that I'm wondering, especially as an editor, I see so many studies these days coming out on the combination of syntax and some kind of embodied behavior. And uh, I'm just wondering why uh, my 2013 paper on the inter- interdependence of bodily demonstrations and clausal syntax does not feature more in those uh, contexts. I've been wondering whether it's an unfortunate uh, title, perhaps. So many people who are looking for uh, those kinds of patterns cannot find it, uh, even though uh, they might have very similar results to what are uh, described there. But honestly, I avoid looking at citation numbers as long as I possibly can. I just block out these areas on my screen. Sometimes I know where in different um, programs where they will appear and I just block those out visually. I dislike making research into a competition uh, and a rush for numbers. There is a reason why I'm doing research and not competing in sports, for example. Finally, we asked Lelo something of the opposite question, which is, is there some paper by somebody else that you think has been overlooked but deserves greater attention? What is a paper by someone else uh, that I think has been overlooked? I feel terrible when I discover that I've missed someone else's work on a similar topic. It has happened at least twice, (laughs) probably more, Uh, but uh, I would really like to mention Maurice Neville's 2007 paper on action in time, where he talks about how um, uh, the connector AND is used by one pilot to uh, preface uh, items that may have been forgotten uh, by the other pilot. But um, that formulation kind of um, presents them Uh, as if uh, just part of the routine, thus avoiding uh, any kind of face threat. I just didn't know this paper existed when I uh, did my piece on and uh, usage uh, in Pilates classes. And a similar thing happened when I was working on noticings um, and I had uh, um, somehow at that point, I mean, maybe it's also that we are too much in a rush when we are publishing these days, I had just forgotten about uh, Dina Keisanen's um, paper on, uh-oh, we were going there. 
environmentally occasioned noticings of trouble uh, in, in core interaction. And I knew this paper very well. Uh, it just skipped my mind. And I have actually apologized personally to her. If you have ideas or want to participate in the ISCA newsletter or our podcasts and other projects, please go to conversationanalysis.org and reach out to us. We love your input in what we're building, which we hope is a truly international connection amongst our EM and CA communities. Our theme music is Ethnomethodology by Peter Daniel off of the album Convulsive Listening.